You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Official 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. Okay, we are back. That's right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's the unofficial 40 here on Soonerscoop.com. And we're here without uh, drink in hand this time as. Uh, we did our podcast, our, our emergency Saturday podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little frog in the throat there. Uh, we did it uh, while drinking. It was a nightmare to edit that thing the next day. <laughs> I think it took about three hours to get rid of Eddie's rant against uh, journalism student uh, responsibilities and my rambling Kings of Leon night out story. That that hit the cutting room floor too. <laughs> yeah, there was a. I I still haven't gone back and listened to it entirely. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things. Did you that, wake up Sunday morning thinking, "Oh God, what did I say?" Uh, no, I mean I I felt fine with everything that was said. I I just uh, it was it was one of those things that you try and not revisit. It's uh, it's like a uh, after it's like go- getting really hammered and then going on a texting spree, and you just don't look at those text messages again. You don't wake up that next morning and see, oh, God, what did I do? No, I mean, usually I just, it's like, well, if it was bad enough, I'll hear about it at some point. So, Josh, uh, he just at one point just left. He just quit. <laughs> because Eddie would not stop talking about, we tried to do the Josh Proctor uh, report. That was the one of the more maddening things about editing it. We were tr- There were at least, you started and stopped Josh at least five times trying to tell the Josh Proctor news about his visit last weekend. Yeah, you know, you were talking about editing the thing, and the whole time I'm listening to you two talk, I'm like, I, for those that don't Skype, there's a little clock you can see at the bottom corner that shows you the run time of what, what the, um, of the phone call you're involved with. And I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, we're at like an hour and 20, and I'm guaranteeing there's only 50 minutes of usable audio right now. <laughs> so I was kind of editing through my mind. But yeah, you know, we, uh, you guys were you guys were full force, though. I, I enjoyed it. I just, there was a point when I was like, we have to get something done here tonight. So I had to get on and do other things. The thing about it is everybody's like, oh, you son of a bitch, give us the unedited podcast. Like, I want to hear that. And no, you did not want to hear that. <laughs> like, it would have been, it would have just been people going, you two are drunken idiots. And you talk about stupid things that I don't care about. I think people thought, like, when you were, what you edited out was, 
oh man, that's when they were really giving it to you. People, what they edited had nothing to do with Oklahoma. <laughs> like, it was random. And it's not like we, we we uncovered any criticism. Like, it's not like we edited any criticism. I mean, like, we never actually, and I had to listen back to it, to edit, then I had to listen back to it to do the rundown. We never, I don't think that we ever technically called for Mike Stoops' job. No. We just said, look, we're sympathetic to the fans who want him gone basically we understand your frustration I, I we'll get into it but i i mean i still feel the same where i was yeah, saturday night I that do too. It, it it's not the fact that they were so poor on saturday it's the fact that it is a continuous time after time year after year event when the ou defense just gets completely overtaken would that be the best way to say torched it? at some torched point? yeah so it 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 was uh, yeah. The only thing that you guys missed out on was my announcement that I'll be taking my comedy tour on the uh, yeah. I don't know. No, no talk about it. I, that's no. <laughs> don't mention the subject. I don't want to get into this. I deleted I, I that say, for a reason. With, with what Carrie just said, I think anyone that's followed me for a while, I'm not the. It's not my place to call for a job. I wouldn't want someone to call for mine. I think I'm about as close to that point as I could ever possibly be. Right. But, I, I, I mean, that that's not my place. That's another, like, I, I don't feel that way to, to really go into that sort of thing. But, like I said in the podcast, I, I do think it's time for somebody else to be heard. Here, and you're talking about still feeling the same way. Uh, here's yeah. how I feel, and I've felt this way since Saturday. To me, it's not even as much about schemes uh, or, you know, um, it's a lot about coaching. I think we're learning, talking to people this week. I mean, just about preparing people to play. Uh, but the, I thought the talent level was better than it is. I thought that Caleb Kelly would make a bigger difference. I didn't think that you would have any problems with Jordan Thomas this year. I've been surprised that Parnell Motley's as good as he is. Uh, but I thought Stephen Parker would be better. And then, you know, linebacker, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought, you know, John Michael Terry would probably end up being the starter, but be a question mark and kind of learn as he goes. But then I've always been, I think you, you guys know, I've always been an Emmanuel Beal fan. Yeah. And I think I've been proven right to have been a Emmanuel Beal fan. And then I wondered on the front line, you know, I thought Oba would have a really good year. But really what it comes down to is the depth sucks uh, and the front line starters aren't as good. Or, or or aren't playing as well as I thought that they would. And to me, that is on coaching. That is not having and developing talent, which is a major part of this job. Well, what's crazy to me, and I was thinking about this uh, a little while ago, when you, you know, Lincoln Riley talked in the post game about, you know, we're really hurting at some positions, or I think maybe, actually, I think it was uh, Monday during the press conference, and he talked about, well, you know, we just don't have the depth. Like at running back, we can run Trey Sermon out there and we're okay. We can run this guy out, you know, but on defense, we just don't have that depth. Where is Oklahoma hurt the most by depth right now? Defensive back and linebacker. Those are the two most tenured position coaches on that staff right now. Ruffin McNeil and Calvin Thibodeau, you can't blame them for what's on the defensive line. And the defensive line is the deepest group out there. They've been the most impressive. I mean, Exactly. What sense does that make? And, and, and to me, that, that just feeds into this whole thing. Like Eddie said a little earlier, this is just a repetitive issue that won't seem to go away. And at some point, it's not always the players. 
And look, we're talking big picture issues. At some point, we have to start focusing on the fact that this team is playing Texas this weekend. And I was really interested to see when we went in on Monday to Lincoln Riley's press conference, and even Baker's to some extent, like, what's the attitude going to be? Is, is he going to be fire and brimstone? Is he going to point fingers? Or is he going to do what I thought he would do, which is just to be the cool, calm, and collected head coach and start moving on to control the things he can control, which is playing better. And that's pretty much what he was, I thought, Eddie. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was too. And it was, it was, uh, it was almost, in, it was almost, it almost pissed me off the way like, that they were just like, we lost, no big deal. We just didn't want to play hard. It's like you show up with your pitchforks and your, your burning <laughs> torches and you're ready to storm the castle. And everybody's, and they just invite you in. They're like, come in, have yeah, dinner, yeah. have lunch. <laughs> why don't you brunch with us? Let's talk about why you're upset. Here, we'll pour you a drink. And I'm going to make good reasons, and you're going to ask me questions, and I'm going to convince you that you don't really want to burn the castle down. I mean, it, that's kind of what it was like on Monday. Yeah, and I, I I, get it. I get everybody's anger. Even in, like, the the media luncheon thread, it's like, they, it's not what you want to hear. You want to hear them come out and say, you know, pretty much tear themselves down, and then you want to have the coaches tear them down. Say everything sucks. Maybe we and could, then they maybe, magically just come back and win by fifty on Saturday. Maybe we could convince Lincoln Riley to have like a a sooner scoop crimson corner town hall every once in a while after things like this happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> people could get up there and just rawr, rawr, rawr. they kind of have that on Tuesday nights at his uh, at his. Well, we radio were joking show. about it, like the yeah he, he had his radio show, and I listened to it just to see if he said anything about injuries. By the way, uh, I don't want to bear any leads here. Eddie had uh, advised us of this, but uh, it was interesting because C.D. Lamb had tweeted out uh, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games Yeah, on the heels of his that was minor setback for a major comeback tweet earlier. On a Wednesday morning, and somebody actually asked him, you know, one of, one of those crazy-ass fans asked him, like, C.D., tell us you're all right, man! And he just said, I'm good, so... That was on really? Monday night, so I didn't see that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I think CD Lamb's a guy they could they could definitely use in this game. I um, I put it on the board. It, it's it's a complete guess on my part. So I think you know, Kerry, you'll probably get a better. I'm sure Riley will give a better idea of where they are uh, with injury wise going into the Texas game on Wednesday night tonight. Uh, after practice, hasn't he in the past given at least a little bit of an update on Wednesday? It'll it'll be asked, yeah, yeah. Uh, I this is just my guess, but I would say probable Stephen Parker and Ceedee Lamb. Mike Stoops said that Stephen Parker practiced on Tuesday. Uh, questionable, I'd say Abdul Adams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd probably even throw Drew Samia in there just because I don't. I have no idea. I'd be lying if I said I had any idea what was wrong with him. And then I'd say probably you can probably officially rule Matt Romar out just by the way that Marquise Overton was talking last night. Yeah, that's a whole weird deal, too. I have no idea what's going on with You him. and Charles Walker were boys. <laughs> you think Walker's like, just just quit, man. <laughs> it worked it out. did for me. It worked out for me. I'm back home. That's a really sad deal, by the way. Like, I've heard some things about Charles Walker just kind of Hitting people up for money and stuff. Well, I mean, I I feel sorry for, for guys like that, but at the same time, I don't feel sorry for him at all. Just got somebody got a hold of him, gave him some really horrible information. Yeah. There's no doubt about and that. And advice. 
I feel sorry that he didn't know better. I don't feel sorry because he chose to do it. That's a good way to put it. That, that's what I mean. It, it is like it's. I mean, guys, and it's not like this was unforeseen. We talked about this right when he did it that this was going to be catastrophically oh, bad yeah. for him. To not be able to see that anyway. I didn't want to get into the whole Charles Walker <laughs> yeah, thing. Sure, but, sure, sure. Uh, okay, so this was kind of like, and the other interesting thing was last night we were going to talk to Mike Stoops. What was going to happen? Is he going to be, you know, ultra defensive? Is he going to is he going to lash out at people for asking questions? And I thought we asked him fair questions. I mean, we didn't browbeat him, uh, but you know, I to me personally. And I've said, you guys know, I've said this. Like the thing that bothers me the most about what I've seen from this defense is two really below-average quarterbacks that have lit you up. They, they and in a complete inability to defend the pass. They've played Baylor and Iowa State and are dead last in pass defense in the Big Twelve right now. Like, think about that. I guess the only thing worse is if you played K State and Did, in Iowa State or Kansas. K-State did you guys Kansas. see what Paul Clark put out a little while ago? Yes, I did. I, I saw the Iowa State it. is averaging 30.4 offensive points scored in regulation through five games. Highs of 41 at Akron and 38 at Oklahoma. That's a problem. That's like, I don't know how you're not humiliated that that information is factual. Well, here, okay, so here's kind of what I took away from talking to, and you got a little bit of it talking to Lincoln. But talking to Mike Stoops yesterday, going in with the whole, you know, quarterbacks are ripping you a new one, and I got a little bit different answer and a little bit different perspective than I thought I would. He kind of, he kind of turned it around on me a little bit. You go early in the season without playing a lot of, you know, teams that just drop back and throw the ball a lot. I'm sure you've learned a lot about, you know, what your guys can and can't do. Does that make you kind of go in in, in regards to? pressure or trying to dial things up more now or, or how do you go about that? that that team didn't throw the ball they had 160 yards on screens they tried to keep it close they tried to run the ball they maintained the ball kept drives alive but the screens they they hit the uh the, the last third down uh on jt on the fade for 25 and then they hit them on a third and 14 you know what i mean the, another just go ball so it, it you know our our position uh, again those those plays you know we got to make them and uh, but you know they 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 did a good job just kind of moving the ball you know by a, a lot of um, you know I, I didn't there's a there's a couple plays in there uh, and then Stevens before the half that's just a bad call on my behalf I I shouldn't have let that receiver down the field and and Steven he ran up on Steven and. He didn't give him enough room, and we told him to back up. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we need to correct. And so, you know, kind of what that tells me is like, look, we focus so much on coaching and schemes and blitzing and pressure and all this stuff. But he's right to some extent. Like, and this isn't the whole players got to make plays argument, but, but this is really like from Ohio State, you're sitting there. And I asked myself this question, like, what the hell happened to that? I think we did that on the Drunken Podcast. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I think I said these exact words. What the hell happened to the team that played at Ohio State? And when you start going through your head, uh, Tulane, Baylor, Iowa State, can you guys tell me that you've seen a defense that is actually flying to the football and playing hard? I think that's the, like, even going back and watching the game, that's the biggest thing you take away is just, 
how half ass everything was. It really and is. It, I mean, it, and it, it has been. And it's and it's a big question mark because it's, it's almost like, does that tell you that the players just don't believe in what they're doing? Like, or they have shitty leadership, maybe. That either or, or they have shitty motivation from coaches. Yeah. Right. But and and I think my other argument too to that is because I tweeted something out last night was the fact that you know every player on that defense should take it personal the way that it looked on film. I mean, everybody looked like it was. You don't have to be a a football genius to know that there were some guys half-assing a lot of it. Think about this. I mean, your team captain got a personal foul for doing a wrestling move on someone on top of a pile. That's your team captain on defense. Your other, I think, is Stephen Parker, which he's been one of your worst players on defense. And he's been hurt a lot. But, like, when you have, like, Eric Stryker as your captain, he's a guy that's making a ton of plays for you. And he is dynamic, and people believe in him and listen to him and follow him. I don't I don't think I don't think good solid leadership ever developed on this team. Like there's nobody they're scared of. Like Obo's such a nice guy. Yeah. And he laughs all the time and he jokes around. He's not a serious person. But like is there anybody on that defense that can go to the team and and just cuss dog cuss them out and have them scared of them? Steven Parker's not that personality. No, I, I, I don't think there are too many guys. I mean, they're young guys, and they haven't, they haven't. Matt Romar would probably be the only guy that has that type of personality. Yeah, and, and he hasn't you been just playing. look at him, and say you're not even suiting out. Yeah. What are you doing? How are but you know a guy that would be interesting, and you guys talk to him more than I even did during recruiting is Beal. Beal seems very straightforward and kind of serious to me. I th- yeah, he's kind of easygoing. Yeah, that's is the, he? That's okay, the okay. That I've you got, know man. him better than I do. I think Beal's also kind of a guy that. I think Kenneth Murray will be that guy someday. Yeah, there's no Agreed. doubt. He, I saw Agreed. he tweeted something out last night talking about leaders aren't born overnight yeah. or something. It was like, maybe this guy gets it. Maybe this guy, finally, somebody gets it. I mean, if DJ Ward were a bigger factor, he could be one of those guys. But he, we all know, we've all known him for a long time. He's a pretty he's quiet, quiet guy. Yeah, yeah he, he's not going to say anything. But, I mean, literally, it is... Uh, and I'm not just... It's not just the defense, too. Because, I mean, scoring seven points in the second half against Iowa State is... is a tragedy, but just the defense to hear these guys talk about, you know, just the effort and, and have, they had a team meeting this week. Oboe talked about that. Having to talk to guys here is, here's Caleb Kelly. I talked to him and Josh, I don't know if, if you've been able to hear any of this stuff. No, I haven't so far. I'm, uh, I'm gathering from what you guys okay. respond. So here's Caleb Kelly talking about, I had a little conversation with him about this stuff. Caleb, it seems like you know when you guys have started games, you've played well, but once other teams get plays, it kind of snowballs on you. How, how do you, as a team, kind of combat that? Is it just just talking to each other more, pumping each other up more? I think it's just not being so hard on ourselves. I mean, we go into games and we do real well, and then once somebody makes a like the other team makes a play, we're all pissed off at each other. We're all yelling at each other. We're all like we got that bad vibe, and I think we just need to 
just let it go. Just keep on pushing, keep on playing, having fun. No matter what happens, just forget to have a short-term memory and just keep on going on making plays. I would assume also not having turnovers kind of leads to that when you don't have a, mo- a way to, ch- to switch the momentum. Yeah, but, I mean, even if you watch Ohio State, I mean, it's 3-3 at halftime, and you could tell coming out the locker room we were way more excited than how we were coming out the locker room this game, and we are up at halftime. So, I mean, I think it's just having short-term memory. No matter what goes on, we need to take every play as an opportunity to make a play and just have fun doing it. And here's kind of along the same vein, uh, talking to Parnell Motley. How would you describe kind of, you know, the way you guys played against Ohio State versus the last two games? What, what's been missing the most from this team? Um, what I think, what I think for real is we was playing up to Ohio State and getting mentally prepared. At, at halftime, like Coach Roddy put point on, halftime we was hyped up. It was 3-3 and we came in against Tulane and all the other opponents. We up and we have low energy, so that was a big part of us. And we just got to not play um, play down to people. We got to play everyone like it's Ohio State teams like that. So got to live up to the moments. Is that like a, maybe a mindset that you guys just want to go out and dominate that maybe you, you've still got to develop? That you want to dominate everybody that you play? Yeah, definitely mindset. We had to we had to develop um, every game as as we play, not just Ohio State or any other team. Got to prepare like it's a, every day is a championship, and every game is like a championship. So it's up to us if we want to compete or not. And, and and you know we the Ohio State game game came and went, and the whole time I remember even I was saying like, boy, it just doesn't seem like anything's changed in this program. Like Lincoln's just taking the job, and it feels the same as it's always felt. It seems the same as it's always felt. Well, I think we're seeing what the difference is between having Bob Stoops and not having Bob Stoops is, and that this is now a defense that just doesn't get that you have to play hard week in and week out. I I understand these these kids these I guess kids or college kids, but how does that happen? I just don't understand it. Like they have man, they're living the life. They got this fancy new locker room right? and, and facility, and they're just you know they're pampered and. They got you know treats when they come off the field. Yeah, I, they get I the just, pineapple on the stick. I think, and this is a, a very fan comment to say, but I'm it being is, very fan. It right is now. very angry. It makes me very angry to hear them just talk about how it's like we just didn't play hard. It's like it makes everybody angry. You, you have twelve games. <laughs> That's very fan. Yeah, a year to go play and to and especially for this team that all they've talked about is trying to win a national championship. It's ATL. on. It's on the goddamn uh, intro video. Like Baker Mayfield came came back to win a national title. Right, they gonna yeah. they gonna take that out because that's not happening this year. It, it it's just it it's it's crazy to me to think that don't they, don't say that Eddie because I need I, I I need to know that the world is is not gonna end this weekend because like if they lose to Texas then they gotta take that out of the <laughs> the, the thing. I mean I. There's been a lot of people that have, you know, asked me on Twitter and a bunch of my friends and stuff that, you know, what's going to happen this weekend? I honestly, I have no idea what team's going to show no, up. Nobody does. I don't think they know. Yeah. And that's a problem, isn't it? And, and it's not, just, but see, it's not just the defense. I mean, the offense, they come out, they score a bunch of points, and then they go into a lull. Like, they're just as responsible for the, they're just as much a part of this. Well, we kind of didn't give as much effort as we could have. Problem. Is that is that on Lincoln Riley, Josh? It's a top-down thing. Is it? 
Because I don't think that I'm sorry, OU Josh. Get, OU gets up 14 to nothing or 14 to three, 17 to three even. Uh, if they go in and score before halftime, you know, who knows? I don't think Iowa State has much of a chance, even if they score before uh, in the third quarter there with the before the fumble. Uh, I just I don't think a Bob Stoops team loses a lead like that. Is that a is that a Lincoln Riley problem? I think when, I don't know that you know you talk about the loss of the lead. I don't know if you can put that on you know Lincoln Riley solely, although you just kind of have to because the buck stops with the head coach. But do I think that's a a loss that Bob Stoops uh, has? No, I don't. I, I think. I, you to me the thing that bothered me the most about that game was effort and discipline. You kept seeing OU doing stupid th- the Obo Okoronkwo thing, Pornell Motley losing. Uh, you know, and I know everybody loves the term because I hear it from Mike so much, but losing leverage on that screen that made it thirty-one twenty-four uh, in the fourth quarter. Like there were so many stupid mental mistakes that these guys know, you know, and have known since they were sixth graders. You don't do these things. This is how you lose football games. And that is that's what this comes down to. And I just I don't I don't know. Like and I think people that expected Lincoln Riley to come in and be firing brimstone on Monday are just stupid. That wasn't gonna happen. Like that that that's just and it goes into the oh let's you know, just fire Mike. Why would you operate a whole season a man down, not only as on your coaching staff, but in recruiting everywhere else? That 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 doesn't help you at all. That that's just a silly belief. That that's just not because you're you. Yeah, I, I could get out of that, but I'm not gonna. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, I just I don't think you can put this all on um, Lincoln Riley. And I certainly I, I disagree with Kerry that that the offense is just as culpable. Like the offense, 31 points on your home field should be enough to win a football game. It, it should always be enough. Now, did they do all they could have? No, they weren't perfect. They weren't anywhere close. But at the same time, when your defense is allowing these long, tenuous drives, it's hard to build a lot of momentum. Like, it, it's hard to keep yourself in flow when you're getting the ball. You know, what did OU have? Maybe two possessions in the third quarter? Like, it, that's going to be really hard to sustain yourself offensively. Uh, wow. Um, Eddie's, crazy. Eddie's point, he's finding some information more about OSU. Oklahoma State just got subpoenaed by a New York grand jury for NCAA that. violations. That's crazy. Like Mike Boynton, how are how are you still employed? <laughs> Brad <laughs> Underwood, how are you still employed? Doug Golly better dust off that resume. Uh okay, well I I can't help but think. I mean, you look at Bob Stoops when he's your head coach. He's also a defensive guy. So he's always got his his eye on the defense, his pulse on the defense. He just did like they don't have that anymore, and I think Mike is a guy that is so uh, he's so focused and laser focused on his defense. I think that's one of those things that he's not like Bob had to kind of learn how to oversee everything. Mike was a head coach and all that stuff, but Mike is—I would not describe Mike as a touchy feely person. And Bob wasn't really either, but I think Mike is much less. Like, I just think that Mike would have a hard time sensing if his team wasn't ready to play versus Bob. Or his defense, I would say. So what I'm saying is nobody's nobody's really there overseeing everything. Everything that's going on. And Mike is so used to having Bob, you know, over his head 
and looking at things and pointing things out. And I guess that's what Ruffin was supposed to be in here. And that's what surprises me, too. Like, Ruffin is this really motivational guy and this and that. Like, how is this defense not playing with any passion when that's basically Ruffin McNeil's job, isn't it? That's basically what we were led to believe. I mean, it, it it's gotten... And the defensive line, I guess, has played better to an extent. As a position, Maybe. yes. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like they're still not they're still not getting any pressure. He needs to come in and talk to the Bobs. What what are you doing here? Yeah. It's like office space. <laughs> I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. <laughs> I had that ready for That's you. That's nice. <laughs> I was I was thinking about this earlier too. It's like on the I was while I was driving down. Mike Stoops reminds me a little bit of myself in college when Aren't you still yourself in college? A little bit, but my my parents, you know, would give me money at the beginning of every month and halfway through the month it'd I'd be calling be and it'd all be gone and I'd play this poor pity me. Sorry, I won't do it again and I'd just do it every month. <laughs> it was like a it was like a like a like a clock almost. God, and your parents must love us. At for... some point you gotta cut them off. Did they do that? No. They didn't. But they never cut you off? No, I white privilege. I'm surprised that <laughs> I'm surprised that I've I've never received more outreach from your parents or Josh. Like, <laughs> thank you for taking him off of our hands because we essentially married you. Uh, no, they uh, they know. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I don't even I I the minutia of what is wrong with this team and breaking it down. We could do it all day. And I feel like I'm approaching this from a kind of a very deep level dive situation when we're questioning, you know, Bob being gone and Ruffin and what's his deal. The long and short of it is they've got to play harder. They've got to play better. And they've got to get turnovers because, and that's the weirdest thing about this team, Josh, is like, I don't know that I've ever seen a team when one thing goes wrong, they just completely fall apart. That's what this team does. There's a word for it. <laughs> Are you writing it down? No, I'm just saying there there is a word for that. And it's it's we'll we'll put it this way, it's weak minded is one way to say it. Yeah. I yeah, I mean and I, I agree with, with Eddie. Like I I don't know how many times. I mean, we talked about it during the drunk podcast. I talked about it on Twitter during the game. How many times can we hear the players? Well, we've just got to restart. We've got to get it going, and blah blah. No, th- th- you're halfway through the season. Your mind should be where it's supposed to be. At some point, you are what you are. Yep. Exactly. Like we can't keep having this conversation about oh, we're, we're going to get it right now. No, you are who you are. And I think what you have to accept about this defense is they're not going to be great. They're just not. So what you've got to try to do is go to the Glenn Spencer model, and we're going to be opportunistic. We're going to try to create turnovers. We're going to do. We're going to be probably a little overly aggressive, trying to force some things to happen, so that if we've got to win a shootout, we're going to give our offense the ball as many times as possible to try and do that. Like because this is not a defense that's going to line up and stop good offenses. I just I don't. I don't know how you can buy into that right now. Now, maybe they'll prove me wrong down the road, but when you're arguably your two most experienced and most talented players, Stephen Parker and Jordan Thomas, are giving you what they're giving you right now, that's 
you, you, I, I don't know. I feel like you're just kind of wishing upon a star and hoping things are going to change when there's no reason to believe it will. Here's the thing, though. You can do all the taking chances and all that stuff. I, I don't really know what that means other than, you know, adding to your blitz package or, uh, you know, trying to play guys over the top of other guys or, or, or whatever, dropping guys into coverage versus, you know, blitzing. Doing all, here's the thing. Like, Parnell Motley, pretty good player. He's doing his job. He's getting turnovers. Jordan Thomas, Stephen Parker, why don't you just do your jobs? And then you'll be in the right place to get some turnovers. Caleb Kelly, do your job better, and you'll get more tackles for loss. We've talked about Stephen Parker probably being injured. Clearly something's not right with him. But the, the play he made before the end of the first half, that's unforgivable. That, that, that cannot happen to your three-year starting senior safety. Yeah. I will say, Mike Stoops took complete responsibility for it last night, saying that they sh- he should have never put Stephen Parker in that position. Yeah, he did. Really? Yeah, yeah we played it in the club. I'm sorry you couldn't hear it. Uh, yeah, and, uh, sorry, yeah it, so. well, hey, everybody out there, drink. I, I didn't hear the audio. So. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I mean, and, and that stuff, and I, I'm really, I'm, I know you guys played the mic audio, and I'm really doing all I can not to rant and rave about the out-talented comment. Maybe, did I miss context on that, or is that as bad as it sounded? No, it's bad. Okay. Because you're I, at Oklahoma, you can't you can't use that crutch. You're at Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, you can't, and you just got beat by Iowa State. Yeah, you got beat by it, a third-string walk-on it's quarterback. Bad. Yeah, to People say are that also going to look for, I mean, they're, they're looking for things to jump on, I, I feel like. Especially oh, true. anything that Mike Stoop says. It's true. But it's at the true. same time, I mean, I, I tweeted it out yet on Monday, but you know OU right now is a hundred hundred and eighth in the country in interceptions. They have two, right? They have two. It's it's something that it continues Texas has to a happen, guy, though. Texas has a guy that has like six or something. Yeah, three against Iowa State. Three. I can think. I can think. All right, I want you guys to name me three players for Iowa State that would factor into the two deep at Oklahoma. I couldn't name three players well, from who, Iowa State what, besides David. I Montgomery. can name you two. Their corner could play. David for Montgomery Jordan and Charlie Kolar. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that doesn't even play. Well, you forgot uh, Carson Epps from Jinx. You know oh, they sorry, got a, they got a good Oklahoma feel. But no, Lazard and Montgomery, I think, clearly would play for Oklahoma. Carey's probably right that any corner on that roster with a pulse would probably play. But with that exception, you, you just can't. That, and I don't know. Like I, I think part of it is Mike is being who he is. Like Kerry said, he's very honest. He's very open. And I, I really like that about him. I like that he is well, just going to tell you what he also, sees. It's also, it, it is also not for the benefit of the fans why he's saying that. He's saying that to tell his own players, like, you guys think that you just have all this talent and you don't. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that'll get back into the macro. Again, if that's if it's true, it's still on you. Right. Like, no matter yeah. how you spin that dice, if you don't have enough talent, well, who's responsible for bringing in the talent? No, there's no doubt about it. So, I mean, that, that again, that gets into the macro, and I know that's not what we're wanting to do. It's just... I don't know how you can ring that bell after you lost to Iowa State. Now, if you if you lose to Ohio State, no problem. We talked. I talked about that last week. Oklahoma is not nearly as talented as some of the really elite teams in college football. But uh, Iowa State, like I, I just said something a few minutes ago on Twitter, Iowa State would give their firstborn to have Oklahoma's talent. Oh yeah, 
Matt Campbell would love to coach that team. Yes, He'd switch absolutely. rosters in a heartbeat. Sorry, I, I I know we want to move on to other stuff, so let, let's let's dive into something else. What are the chances that OU just gets run in the Cotton Bowl this weekend? I I would be I would be more shocked about that you would? than I was last week. You would, yeah. If they got if they got absolute, run. yeah, because I don't think that I don't think that they have a hundred p words down there. They might have like five or six, and they might be starters, but I don't think that they're all. Just completely, I without intestinal. So you're fortitude. saying that you think Oklahoma has enough pride that they're going to play well. I would hope, and if they don't, they should fire every coach on the staff this week. <laughs> Seriously, well, that won't Ter- happen. I know it won't. Terry, happen, what would but. be what would be more surprising to you, a Texas blowout or an Oklahoma blowout? Mm, that's a good question. I think I'd be more surprised by an Oklahoma blowout. Just because I think Texas's defense will keep them hanging around, but then I'm like, how did how did K State score so many? That's true. I mean, at- of course that was. I'm sure that was Texas. They're getting ready for Oklahoma. I'm sure Tom Herman probably spent like three days on Kansas State and two on Oklahoma even last week because that's kind of what he does. Yep. He's, oh, he, he's he known for prepping for the big game. Yeah. Yep. But he doesn't have to get another job now, so maybe he should stop doing that. I don't. I, I mean, I would say it'd be more surprising if Texas blew Oklahoma out, just because. I mean, now if Baker Mayfield goes down, all bets are off. Sure, but I just think Oklahoma has enough offense where they wouldn't get blown out. The yeah. Now blowout is that thirty point win? Is that seventeen? I mean, I can see you losing the set by seventeen. Anything that this game spreads beyond three touchdowns would be pretty surprising, wouldn't it? I think so. Like, if Oklahoma if Oklahoma won 28-10, okay, I could see that. But 31-10, 35-10, that, that starts to get a little hard for me to imagine how that would play. Yeah, I would, because, say, I would say, God, 10? I mean, OU's not yeah. going to hold anybody to 10. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the deal. And, to, you know, and that's the same thing. As easily as I can say I like Texas's defense and they gave up 34, I don't like Texas's offense and they scored 40. So, you know, who knows? I think they, but, they, they, they almost be better off. I know Ellinger, I think he's the better quarterback. He's a gamer. I like the kid as a player. Too. But they almost might be better just having Bichelle back there. Just sit, sit, Of course, their offensive line is horrible. Yeah, but OU's going to rush three. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. Well, that's the other thing. Like, does Texas have the balls to rush three? And is and if they do, what's OU's answer? Because their answer against uh, against Iowa State was crap. Yeah, that's, I mean, they should have run for three hundred yards in that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the thing that I don't understand about this. You know, all week we've talked about uh, Iowa State dropping eight. Well, if they're dropping eight, you're supposed to have this the best offensive line in yeah. the country, and I'm using air quotes. Like they didn't even try to take advantage of it. That that was shocking. And I, and I thought it was a mistake not using Marcellus Sutton in that game, because if you are dropping eight, you want a fast guy in the back. That you don't need your big bruiser. You need your guy that is right. quick. That you, all your all your your offensive linemen are going to have to do is wall off a couple of people. You're going to have lanes to run through. 
I just, it doesn't, we, you're right. We keep talking about the draw and people were asked about that all week. What are you going to do if they drop eight? And the other thing is they could have just run Baker right down the middle for five yards every time. And he could have just slid. I, I thought I heard a kind of an interesting, I guess, opinion this week was the fact that, you know, it's not like Baker Mayfield has never scrambled in his entire life. Like people were acting like this finding play, finding receivers in the scramble drill was something new to him. It was almost like he was so there was nobody around him and he almost freaked out, didn't know what to do. Yeah. He had five rushes for 55 yards, I think, on that drive after CeeDee Lamb got hurt. Right. So, I mean, he could have kept doing that all day. But what I'm saying is at least have a running back in there that can do some of the same. If you've got five on three, my God, with that offensive line, you'd be a fool not to. Well, they didn't. (laughs) You are fools. (laughs) So Sorry, Lincoln. uh, And and I assume, Kerry, because you've said this, we know Marcellus Sutton was in the building and dressed on Saturday. Yeah. 100%. They all were. I, I... I remember Did going down do the checklist. Like, is he in trouble? Because well, there's no other explanation. Because Rodney Anderson this. is not bringing anything. What was it? The Florida Atlantic game, Eddie, when you noticed he had like a big wrap around his wrist? Yes, yes. Like and he was down doing no, that was, uh that was in uh, Ohio State. Was that, that was uh, in Columbus. Okay. So, I mean, maybe he has a wrist issue and they're worried about him. I, I didn't notice or, if he had it, though. Gary, did he you say Florida play. Atlantic? Yeah. What did I say, Florida Atlantic? <laughs> Tulane. Sorry. Same school. That's all I mean, it's the same. same it ends up being it's, the same thing. They probably would beat OU last week anyways. Yeah. Tulane beat the shit out of Tulsa last weekend. You know, I saw that and I thought, maybe bad. that win's going to look pretty good, but that was, you know, early second quarter uh, of OU Iowa State, and before I realized that wasn't really going to matter. Yeah. So. Comparative scores go out the window when you get beat by Iowa State. Yep. Yep, you lose all that high ground. No, I but I would imagine that Texas will play a pretty base defense. They're they're good enough up front. They don't have to drop eight. And I don't think OU's good enough. Their secondary's good enough, and OU's not good enough at receiver that they don't need to drop eight. It'd be dumb if they did. What uh oh Jordan Thomas. I know that he's not the most popular person on the Oklahoma football team right now. And by the way, I'll say this. Calling for Mike Stoops' job makes more sense than calling for Jordan Thomas's job. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I he he had he's been bad. I think we can say that. But he's not like Dakota Austin bad. He's not getting burnt though. And I think that's the thing that angers people when you tell them that. It's like they look at only the results when really, at some point, the odds are in Thomas's favor to at least get one pass breakup, right? I'm going to play something from Mike Stoops here because I asked him about Jordan Thomas. Mike, you look at, at Jordan Thomas, and it, 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 I think I only remember the play at Baylor where it was really just a bust. But, I mean, he's been right there, you know, to make plays. What do you say to him to kind of keep his confidence up? Or? Nothing. He just he needs to make a play, and everything will turn around. So he needs to keep keep working. Uh, he needs to you know work fundamentally. Uh, I think it's where it all starts, and 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 mentally, just you know know that you know he's he knows he's capable. He's done it before. He's done it many times. So 
he's going to get challenged and, and he knows it. But, you know, he's, he's, got, he's just got to keep keep doing what he does and he needs to make a big play to get this thing, you know, turned around in his direction. I take it your belief in him hasn't waned as far as the player? No, we, you know, we we still have, you know, confidence in all our guys. I mean, it's, it's more than Jordan Thomas, believe me. This is a collective effort, uh, you know, coaches, players. I mean, I mean, we just, we're not playing the right way. And, and that's to me is, you know, the most concerning part. It's not any one individual. It's, it's our, like I said, it's fundamentally our character. Um, you know, we've gone through these before and we're just not playing, you know, we're not playing hard enough. And that's, you know, that's our fault. So basically, Mike, and I'm paraphrasing because Josh can't hear, but basically I asked, you know, what do you do to help him with his confidence? And Mike, his answer was, well, we stop babying him. We just, you know, at some point you got to go out there and make some plays. And he was asked like a follow-up that I didn't play about, you know, what were some of the things, the techniques and things like that he failed on. And he said on that touchdown play to Lazard at the end, he said he went up and tried to jam him and he did it wrong and then he got... He slipped. He, he fell slipped, down. He fell down. And so then he got up and tried to catch up and he, you saw the picture. I mean, he jumps up there, the ball goes right past his arm but that's just another example of like he can't buy a break. And I think it's also an example of a player not doing his job. I think that isn't he supposed to get a little bit of help over the top? And Chance Sylvie's nowhere to be found. Or he's, he's late getting over. I think say so. Sylvie was late getting there. And, you know, guys, his coverage in the Iowa State game was better, in my opinion, than it was against Ohio State. And he did have a bullshit penalty called on him. Like, he turned, yeah, the he turned his shoulder exactly like they teach you. And just because he played it correctly, the dumbass Big 12 ref threw a flag. They were both soft, but the one that was the vertical route was that's a horrible call. That yeah. was just wrong. But again, you, just, you can't be in that position against Iowa State. I mean, if oh, it can, shouldn't have to matter. Right. The 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 two personal fouls. I still don't know what Kenneth Murray did. I really don't. I haven't. Oh, I saw. I, it. I haven't gone I back and it. seen. He got into a little little punching fight with somebody, and he got caught. It was his fault. I mean, it right. was a stupid penalty. Right. I, that's the dumbest thing in sports, punching a guy that's got a helmet on. Not smart. Just dumbest not thing smart. in sports. <laughs> but, I mean, that one you're like, okay, true freshman. He's going to do some stupid stuff sometimes. Like, you have to kind of live with those growing pains. Like, he shouldn't do it. It's it's stupid. But you can kind of look the other way on it. Oboe doing his WWE into the pile. Idiotic. It's, That's unforgivable. It's the dumbest penalty I have personally witnessed at a NOU football game in 10 years. I'm not saying that without any time. examples, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Orlando Brown had some dumb ones. Yeah. Like where he would just get baited and the ref was standing right there yeah. and then he would just punch a guy in the face. I would almost rather see that, though, because that at least shows a little bit of passion. Not stupidity passion? Yeah. Look, I... This team, they suck right now. And they need to know that they suck right now. And you hope that it will get into their heads, like, that they'll be embarrassed about it. And that they'll actually... Because they're better than this. Uh, this defense is better than this. They have players that mean that, that should make them better than this. 
but they suck right now. Well, the and the, I I think it's completely the got in the heads. It's, you can talk about the Twitter generation and because I was thinking about this today, Eddie. Like when we would tweet out things after games, whether post game, like people would go back even on my my in game tweets. Like if I mentioned Kenneth Murray or yeah. something. He would go back in and like stuff or retweet stuff. Right. Like, he wasn't even tagged in. So, like, after that Ohio State game, those guys were all drunk on themselves. Yeah. And how great they were. And it's all been downhill since then. You could totally say it's a general, 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 generational thing. That's what I'm trying to say. Glad that I wasn't saying it. Uh, I just, that's the thing, though, is like, there, I guess there is a certain mentality that you have to have, and I think Alabama has it. I think Clemson has it, and Oklahoma obviously doesn't have it's it. It's a championship mentality. And they do not have it. And I think that's why – that's I think that's probably the toughest pill to swallow for a lot of Oklahoma fans is the fact that they don't have it. And because of that, it you're now five games into the season, and you're kind of sitting there, standing there now, thinking like, what the hell? Who 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 is this team? And I think that – we're going to find out a lot about it on Saturday and what they bring to the Cotton Bowl. You know what the other thing is? It's not just the players. And I hate saying this because it's great for us. Coaches retweet a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And they're doing it for recruits. Yeah. But then the players see it and they're like, hey, a coach is out there looking at what we're doing. And he thinks it's great. And he's retweeting it. And like, like, it's just such a weird balance with all that stuff. I feel like that's such a, I don't know if it millennial or just like, it's such a high school thing, though, because it's like these these guys should know better, like than to read their own press clippings. Yes, I mean because it's that's been a, happening that's a rule for so forever. long. Yeah, but it's it's when it's it's just different because like when in they actuality they hadn't done shit. Well, they weren't delivering the newspaper to your door, right? You know, when you're in high school, you were just a high school kid with your name highlighted every time you might, it's mentioned. You might go to school and someone might have a paper and you might grab it and read it. But, like, on Twitter, it's in your face all the time. Like, yeah. it's just, if if Ruffin McNeil retweets something about Kenneth Murray had a great game against Ohio State, he sees that, that Ruffin McNeil is retweeting it. I feel like, though, that's almost a, I mean, I, I feel like that's an excuse, to be honest. But I'm just saying, these kids get it built into their head that they've arrived when you, as you say, Alabama and Clemson know that just because... You go on the road and beat Florida State. That doesn't mean that you've right. And Lincoln Riley said it after the game. Ohio State is not going to be the highlight of our season. Well, guess what, Lincoln Riley? So far, it's looking like that's going to be the case. Yeah, and you know what? The the high point is getting outweighed by massive, massive low points. Not just of the season, in the history of the program. And you're in charge of it. Like the worst Effing tank, fix it. The worst tanking in the history of any OU season. Is that what you're implying? Yes. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that this is some kind of massive shaving point scheme. <laughs> I'd be a little butthurt that I wasn't a part of yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going in on Texas this weekend? Probably need to. I don't. I don't think you touch the game. By the way, that's my betting tip of the week. I don't think this is one you ever should touch. Weird no. rivalry yeah. game. Right. They have a way of going weird. Maybe play with the over, though, if you wanted. <laughs> Eddie can't help it. I think we're headed toward a war this weekend. 
I hope it. I hope I there think is maybe a pregame war. fight. Oh, I'd bet money. I'll probably be blocked out from getting any video of it. So. Oh, I bet it'll spill everywhere. You'll get whatever. I don't think those should Austin. I a, should I wear a poncho in case blood starts? Well, Texas is in charge, so it's not OU, so they have no control. Yes, yeah, they don't know. They don't know about the Eddie. So, uh, it's OU Texas weekend. Texas is the home team. Is that can they even still invite recruits to the game, Josh? Oh I yeah, feel like, I yeah, feel yeah. like we're there'll, heading in a, a direction. Gaggle of guys there. Yeah, I feel like we're headed in a direction where eventually they're just going to tell these teams you can't even invite guys. <laughs> that would probably be the most NCAA thing of all time is to to get their nose in something like that. But I mean, there's they, so much other shit going on. They used to be able to go down on the field and stuff. They can't even do that anymore. They just have to go and sit in the stands. What was it? Was it Barry Sanders Jr. that went one year and sat so. on Texas right. side or yeah. something? I think that's right. And I, I want to all... say Sterling Shepard was with him. I mean, it would have made sense. Yeah, I think you're right. Can't remember, though. Because it would have been Sterling's senior year. But, Josh, let's talk about the worst-case scenario. Let's say Texas wins this thing this weekend. How much momentum does that carry for them because, oh, I think I mean, it's huge they're already I mean, doing know, well yeah you're Oklahoma you know we talked about it all offseason that Texas was doing so well because it didn't have to live up to anything yet you know oh we're, we're going to be great we're going to get things going and then they lost to Maryland and then we thought, okay, well, the rubber has met the road yeah, now. It was, almost like they, it was almost like they disappeared from the recruiting map after that Maryland it, game. Exactly. And then even after the USC win, you know, to their credit or to their good fortune, USC hadn't slipped up against Washington State yet. They, they had the, you know, that still looked like, oh, man, you know, maybe Texas really is good. When I think it's a little bit of both. Texas is a little better than maybe we thought. And USC is not nearly as good as we thought. So that looked great. And now they get a chance to come in and, you know, against a school they're going to recruit a ton against head-to-head going forward. This, to, to me, this win gives Texas credibility. It gives Tom Herman the ability to say, see, we're turning things around. Oklahoma's headed in the wrong direction under Lincoln Riley. I'm going to get things going right for Texas. And how can OU argue against it? There's no track record to say that's not true. You know, they don't get to go back and say, well, look what Bob's done over the last 20 years like they've been able to do any, uh, like a couple of years ago when, when Texas upset Oklahoma. It got to be, well, okay, you can choose Charlie Strong's one good win or you can look at 20 years of Bob Stoops. It's your choice. And it, uh, obviously a lot of kids still went with Charlie Strong. Yeah. But Oklahoma at least had something to combat it with. With Lincoln, they're not going to have anything to combat it with. It's going to be a couple of three and two football teams. So, I, it's Oklahoma needs this win. They need to go out and show everybody that, the, that everything's okay. That last week was a big, just a uh, just a big blip. And you know, to be fair, kind of comparing the two regimes, those blips happened under Bob Stoops. We talked about it during the Drunken Podcast. Losses like this have become a little bit of a thing within the Oklahoma program. So I think it can be avoided. And I, Oklahoma should win this game. Let's be honest. They're, they're a better football team. 
They're more experienced. There's a whole lot of reasons they should do this. But, I, you know, we, as far as recruiting goes, Texas, Texas will get a huge bounce out of this if they can find a way to win. What uh, Are there any key OU targets that you know are going to be there visiting with Texas? <laughs> I've been working with Jason Sukamel a little bit on it, and I really I don't have a lengthy list. I'd like to tell you that I did. Uh, usually he kind of leads the charge when it's a Texas year. I kind of do it when it's no U year. Texas being the home team, like we've talked about, they're going to have all the, uh, the invitations to send out. But, I mean, you can expect guys like Bobby Brown, I'm sure, will be there. You know, you kind of go down the list. There's going to be a lot of the big-time guys. I think more where you'll see this is 2019 because both classes are pretty locked up. There's very few still head-to-head battles uh, for a lot of of the elite guys that both schools are in on. So I don't think you'll see a lot in 2018 that's going to have a huge impact. But 2019, you're going to see a ton of guys that both schools want that are going to be there. Uh, I would, you know, I think you look at some guys like Marquez Beeson, Brian Williams, both those guys from Bishop Dunn in Dallas. I would expect them to be there. I don't know that, just you know, kind of reading the tea leaves. But yeah, 2019 is where this game will have a big impact, and it can either volto you forward, or they're going to have to try to pick up the pieces and figure some things out, uh, and, and really have surrendered all that momentum they built after the Ohio State we, uh, win. Well, and it's. It's big, not just for the the whole Texas thing, but I would think it's pretty big, just for momentum right now uh, for that big official was visit weekend that's coming up. Because you've been pointing to this for a while now, Texas Tech. Uh, is is any of the luster lost there after losing to to Iowa State from that? Oh, sure, a, a little bit. I mean, I think anybody that thinks that that does have any impact, I don't think that's very realistic. These are these are high school kids. It has a role. Do I think that kids make their decisions based on that stuff? Hell no. That's not what it's about. Any, here's if, the thing that, that I'm sorry, Derek, but here's the thing that I always want to bring up when people, because it's like, and it kind of is more of a thing on Twitter, I think, than it is with Sooner Scoopers, which is people don't realize this. Kids in high school, they don't go undefeated. They lose games. They understand what it's like to lose a football game. Like, if anybody understands, because like everybody's like, oh, God, Josh Proctor, he's going to just. Oh, he's done. He's going to Ohio State now. It's official, isn't it? But it's like you think that Josh Proctor hasn't lost football games in his life. Like he has. Like they're great this year. Owasso is. But most of these kids look at it from the perspective of you do lose games sometimes, and it sucks. But it's not the end of the world. And you know, I think even guys, you know, whether it's on Twitter or on our board that played football, they forget about it. They forget, yeah, you had bad losses too. Yeah, you had high school games where maybe you didn't play as well as you could have or should have or whatever. They they forget that. High school kids are like, yeah, man, I boy, you know, two weeks ago against wherever, I just didn't have my best game. I didn't play very well. I didn't feel good. You know, whatever it may be. A good example of you talking about, you know, guys just lose. Somebody asked me last night during the chat, does uh, how does this affect Merlin Robertson? You know that loss. Merlin Robertson's three and three right now for Gardena Sarah, one of the most talented teams in California. Like losses just happen sometimes, and the kids are far less likely to hold that against Oklahoma than a fan or a, you know whatever. They're just going to look at it differently, and a lot of that is they don't follow it day to day. Yeah, like we. 
a fan is going to get his emotion all tied up into it. And that the loss is going to seem worse than it is. It's going to seem, you know, th- this is just unbelievable. And Iowa State, you know, those guys are, uh, you know, just a bunch of clowns. They shouldn't be out there. You know, whatever. Where recruits going to be like, yeah, I actually know a couple guys that played Iowa State. They're good players. You know, I, it's just they look at it a little differently. And I don't think a lot of recruits are going to, again, no kid is going to go to Oklahoma or not go to Oklahoma because of Iowa State. Just like no kid was going to go to Oklahoma or not go to Oklahoma because of Ohio State. It, it works the same way. It obviously helps if you win, but it, it's not going to be, you know, it's not the deciding factor one game or another. Uh, let's go back and maybe kind of recap some things that have happened, maybe some big picture stuff, but uh, in terms of uh, just you know, Oklahoma kind of now playing games and, and having that bye week where the coaches went out and kind of got all over the country. Uh, any kind of feedback? Uh, I know you've had some, but kind of recap maybe some of the conversations you've had with guys that they got to go visit uh, that they really kind of zeroed in on that weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and you kind of touched on it earlier. and I, I think a lot of people kind of saw that Iowa State visit and focused on Josh Proctor. And kind of some thought, well, there, there weren't a lot of visitors outside of that. And, you know, just to kind of go back to the point you raised earlier, Texas Tech, TCU, those are going to – those look very, very much like your big visit weekend. So kind of just approach it like that where you're looking at, yeah, Oklahoma's got some other home games, but they're going to really focus on getting guys there those two weekends. And, frankly, maybe West Virginia. If West Virginia can continue, excuse me, can continue to play good football and kind of build – that could be a top 25 game to end the season. Now, inviting kids from Florida or California or wherever Oklahoma's looking to a November 25th game in Norman, Oklahoma, that that's a little bit of a roll of the dice sometimes. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that as we get down the road. But, yeah, talking to a lot of the guys that they went around and saw, you know, one of the, the best examples is uh, Isaiah Martin, a guy from um, uh, the Los Angeles area, Rivals 250 defensive end that OU offered a couple of weeks ago. Uh, after they went out and saw him in person, uh, Tim Kish went to see him, and he has actually already set up his official visit. You know, just a few weeks after being offered, and really a few weeks after OU just got serious with him. I mean, he is—he's going to come in for that Texas Tech weekend. That's a big-time guy. Really interesting to me about him is when I talk to people, I get the impression that they see him as a four-three defensive end, not as a three-four outside linebacker, but purely as a four-three defensive end. And yet you're recruiting these other guys as three, four defensive ends. So Oklahoma still looking going forward looks to be, you know, looking at a lot of different um, options with what they can do defensively. And he's a good example of it. Um, obviously, Ruben Unige's visits coming up. Oklahoma went down to see him. Noah Kane as well. Uh, a lot of 2019 names. Um, w- one of the actual interesting ones is um, Oklahoma went to see Ronnie Perkins last weekend. Calvin Thibodeau. Yeah, went all the way up to St. Louis. Yeah, made the trip up. It was uh, actually got to see Ronnie Perkins block a punt, pick it up, and one-handed run it in for a touchdown. So was there for a pretty good night for him. Uh, and really, you know, I-, I think Oklahoma continues to be in good shape there. It's, it's just an interesting time because, uh, like I said, you know, when we were talking about momentum, Oklahoma needs some momentum because they've got some guys that are really close. They need some guys, just need something to push them over the finish line. And I think Oklahoma was right on the cusp of it. And then they sputter out last weekend and kind of allow some things to maybe go soft and make it a little harder to push. 
on a guy, you know, and and that's that's what I talk about when I say it does make a difference. When you're on top of the world, it's easier to squeeze a guy a little bit and say, "Hey, we need you here this weekend. We want you to, you know, lock up your spot if you want it." Those sort of things. And when you're losing or not losing, but when you lose a game like that, it makes it harder to kind of put that that gentle pressure on a recruit that you think is about ready to make his decision. I also think, I mean, it, it, there is reality and there's, there's you know, the utopia that coaches would love to exist in. It's kind of what you're talking about. And now I, I don't think you can bury your head in the sand and say uh, there's now controversy around the defensive staff. Uh, Josh Proctor is a defensive guy. And if you have any... You know, brain in your head. You got You got If you're a kid, you got to think. Okay, I'm going to let this play out. See what happens. Am I, I, am I wrong completely. there? No. That that's one of those things that people don't think about when they say, in the same breath, I want fire Josh the coach and I want Mike Stoops gone. <laughs> well, yeah. Like that's not to say that who you know if if it goes down that road with Mike, that whoever replaces him wouldn't be able to recruit Josh. But the thing you have to remember, Josh is a midterm guy. So, at some point, there's not going to be the time to develop that relationship because presumably, whoever OU would hire would be coaching somewhere else and would want to finish out his season. So, there, there are some... To me, if you get rid of Mike Stoops, you're almost certainly not getting Josh Proctor. So, there, there is a... And that's not to say that like Mike is the only guy recruiting Josh... But he was there when the offer happened. I mean, Mike has been Mike recruits the state of Oklahoma for OU. He's a big part of that, and he's been around Josh a lot. So I I, I think that that would be a tough hill to overcome because not only is Josh picking a place that he hasn't been committed to for months, that he doesn't know the staff as well as he does at Ohio State, but now he's going to have to hope that they hire the right defensive coordinator that's going to fit him. Wait, you're telling me that if they don't, if they fired Mike Stoops, they wouldn't just automatically get better? That's, I mean, that's the way that I was under the impression. It's going to cure everything overnight, <laughs> yeah. Eddie. Like that, that all the problems go away. Yeah, and fix it know, through firing. That's my motto. Well, you know, actually, I, I've you're I've not the read, only person in this country that thinks that's the motto. I've read plausible accounts that say Trey Sermon and Baker Mayfield blamed their miscommunication on Mike Stoops. So who knows? You're in that kind of text group, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I thought it was interesting talking to Sermon. I know it's kind of uh, changing the subject, but uh, he said that his alignment was the reason that uh, they fumbled there inside the five. I the the snap thing does worry me a little bit. Eric Rand has a tendency to He's miss. He's been high. snapping really high lately, and I. I mean, I understand he he's trying to get out quickly, and I think that's that causes the reason for the high snap, but. Uh, that would be a very inopportune time. I think I put on the board it'll happen this weekend, but it'd be a very inopportune time to snap a ball over Maple's oh, head. Eddie, you're just on Saturday. Man, that's that's on you if it happens. I already said it's gonna happen. I Does anyone out there think Carrie's just kind of pulling for Eric Ren to go bad? Why? Why am I pulling for him to go bad? Be, well, Creed, we, we know the that Creed there is Humphrey something thing, between you and son? Creed Humphrey. Yes. My son. I mean, you're looking out for your adopted child. You know, well, I guess given away to adoption child. So, if I had we, his we, height, I I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> I would have been finishing up my 15 years in Major League Baseball. 
You could have threw it over that mountain, Scary. You could have. Although, you know what? It is funny, like, seeing... I saw... I'm watching with the binoculars as the recruits are walking in. Like, seeing Bray Walker walk in with his dad. And his dad's like... I'm sure his dad's like, how the hell did I produce this child? But he does kind of look like his mini-me. His dad does. Yeah, a little when, bit. Oh, he does. Like, he... Uh, both of his sons, uh, particularly Trey's older brother... Looks just like Corwin. It's crazy. Like by the way, that they, is no way an admission that Creed Walker, Creed Humphrey is my son. I'm not saying. That. I, did you? I, I heard no denial. That's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, not denying. So. I, I am denying that. There, he's not. <laughs> no, uh, but you know, it's. I, it, I guess it's easier to understand because I've actually talked to Corwin. He'll talk about feeding Bray and like you know, it's just I cannot fathom the food bill in that house. Like, and, and for any of these kids that are just, you know, I'm sure Daryl Simpson's parents go through the same thing. You know, you go down the list, Adrian Ely, all these huge guys. I, when he talked about feet, like, I think when I, he and I talked about it, he had family coming in and he was talking about getting all the food for all this family and how much of it was just for Bray. You know, like they were talking about like, Oh man, we got all these sides of ribs, but we got to have like three sides for Bray. And then we got to do all this, and then there's about a pound of potato salad for Bray. You know, like, oh. and you're just like, good. I mean, like, that's not exactly what he said, but just, it was just astronomical how much food was just set aside for his 17-year-old son. You know what? I know you were still, you were still at OU at the time, but I remember the stories that Wes Sims' mother would tell me. Uh, because you remember, Wes Sims played with not only, it wasn't just Wes Sims, but Russell Dennison. And Lance Donnelly, yep. like they would just come and raid. The, like she would literally go to the grocery store for the and, and get as much food as she possibly could. But those three would come in a day, and it would all be gone. Is it me or does Russell Dennison seem like the friend that ate a lot more food than the kid that lived there? Like she, he <laughs> ate more of the food than Wes. And he's a strength coach now, so he probably eats just as much. Special yeah. teams oh, well, icon. I mean. Like you got, I mean, you remember him, Carrie. Like his, he always seemed like a guy that just bounced off the walls at all times. He was insane, yeah. And so you know his metabolism is just after you know the guy that eats a pizza and loses like a pound the next day. Next time we do a drunk podcast, I have a really good West Sims story. Do you? Yeah. Will I have to edit it out the next day? It might not even be able to be played. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to be sued. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, anybody up for some ratings and reviews because there have been some new ones. Only if they're good. That's my number one rule on ratings and reviews. There are some that praise uh, one Eddie Ratto quite All right, bit. let's read them. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, I, I apologize, Josh. The music went off during your recruiting update. I was not trying to say that OU's recruiting was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure or that anyone that is a recruiter is a joke at OU. But, yeah, uh, iTunes, we, uh, you rate us, we read you, and we've been doing that uh, for a while now in the podcast. It's a very popular feature we have here. Uh, so we have gotten quite a, new, uh, quite a bunch of new reviews. Uh, we'll start out with Eddie is Woke from BMAC 2017. Eddie is the most sophisticated, eloquent... And all-around good guy, he stay woke. And Josh has all the recruiting analysis for us nerds. And Carrie is a turkey leg hater. I don't. I just said that grown men, once you get past a certain age, 
you can't be seen walking around the state fair with a turkey leg. Like any, Wrong. you could not be. You would. You shouldn't be walking around with a turkey leg at the state fair this weekend. Mm. I think the chances of that happening are better than the chances of that not happening. <laughs> so you're saying potential turkey leg? Uh, I mean, it just depends on how the thing goes. All right, moving on. Uh, this one. We had a thing going where people got really upset at me. I can't even remember why now. Oh, it was the whole Pat Jones thing. So some of that is is carryover from that. Here's another one. Ratto keeps it real. While Murdoch coddles Traber and his sensitive ego and Josh stays PC, Eddie tells it how it is and keeps it real. Are you, like, going to the Fiji house and just... <laughs> Demanding, like I just sitting there with the pledges, making sure that they type in a review that's favorable to you. Uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> you know what? It, it's part of initiation. He's got like his paddle over him. Yes. Like he's letting them know what's going on. All right. I want you to write Eddie Ratto bleeps. If we're going on, <laughs> I think I'll say uh, bitch of the week is Jay Novacek's son. Read up on it. What? Oh. The former Dallas Cowboy tight end? Yeah. Hmm. Carrie, are you unaware of what he's talking about? Yeah, I don't know. You have to read up on that. That's uh, that's some pretty interesting stuff. Okay. Hamsters involved or anything? No, he's just sounds like he's a loser. All right, Seattle Sooner. Well, the, the, the review is by Seattle Sooner. The title of the review is Seattle Sooner. I don't think he understood what was going on there. He did give us five stars, though. Probably visited the... Uh... Medical marijuana shop before. Uh, as an yeah, that's possible. As an Oklahoman and OU alum in the Pacific Northwest, it's challenging to find content outside of UW, USC, UCLA, LOL, and Wazoo up here. The scoop provides titillating info on all things OU related, ranging from up to date recruiting info. How's Baton Rouge treating you, Jacob Phillips? To post game day, to post game day analysis. Love hearing this pod each week as it provides superior OU related info. For those of us transplanted outside of the former of the Sooner State, keep up the good work, my dudes. Eddie, Thank that you. wasn't about you. Are you okay with that? No, that was good. All right. You just like to use titillating. Yeah. And uh, here's our final uh, new review that I'll read for you. Another five stars. All five stars. And, and we've said this many times. Look, you can give us a horrible review. Make it five stars, though, if you're joking. If you really think we suck... And you want to give us one star. One guy did that one time. Why don't you just slide in my DMs? We'll take care of that. Uh, this one is from WRS89. His review title is five stars. And he gave five stars. This is a great combination of cutting-edge football discussions with great comedic relief. Eddie is a rising star, but lacks compassion for humans pretty much at all times. That's accurate. Sad. Josh keeps the motor going. He is the brain behind the insightful information, even though I feel like I'm being put in timeout every time he talks and he yell talks. I get flashbacks. The guy that is not verified on Twitter does do a good job at setting the tone for the podcast and is great. That is me. Uh, although I am still waiting for his TRT to kick in. So he should... Is that my testosterone therapy? I think so. Uh, to kick in, so he shifts from talking about Wilco all the dang time and adds a little more Nirvana and Soundgarden. 
The audio levels sometimes sound like like crap, but not all the time. Five stars. So, I'll have you know, WRS eighty nine. I have both Nirvana and Soundgarden on vinyl. Okay. I've never heard you talk Wilco on the podcast. Is this a is this a it's morning a, animals carryover? Probably. Okay. Message board. Band nerds. Eddie really does not have any. Okay, I'm gonna shut off the stupid music. Eddie really has no. There's no love of music in him. And it's so it's just bizarre with sport, the two of us. Sports, 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 sports. I literally. Like, I, do you have any other interests besides sports? No. Other than drinking. Not that really. doesn't count. Are there like TV shows that you watch? Have you ever watched like a series? Yeah, The Office, Breaking Bad. Okay, so you enjoy those. Yeah, absolutely. Seinfeld. I just like knowing that you have a hobby of some type. Okay, that's an important question, Eddie. Who's your favorite Seinfeld character? George. Yep, that fits. That fits. I feel like I have a little George in me. Yeah, I, 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 that was where I was leaning that you would go, but I wanted to hear it. I love George. Did we talk about uh, Eddie's uh, run-in last week at the after party, Josh? I, I, if we're talking about Eddie having interest outside of football, it was touched on the periphery. If I, um, yeah, because we didn't really, we never really got into the after party, but mm-hmm. Natty's for Patty. Mm-hmm. Met mm-hmm. up with Lauren Chamberlain. She wanted a picture. It was amazing. Like a fan wanted a picture, and I gave her a picture. Jared Falwell and I were standing there, just in awe that Eddie was talking to a woman. She wanted. We'd I, never I gave, seen it before. I gave a fan the picture. She wanted a picture. I gave it to her. <laughs> I hear you, wedding bells. Did you Love get, is in the air. Did you get digits in return? She sent me the picture. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. So you have her, you have her digits. I'm not going to say I do or do, don't, but I might. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no. When do entered the picture. No. A gentleman never tells, Eddie. That's right. But he's so you're a gentleman. Safe. You can say whatever you want to. Yep. No comment. Are you, <laughs> are you attracted to her in any way? Yeah, she's really hot. Okay. So it's out there. Natty's for Patty. Shoot or shoot. <laughs> It was impressive, though. I got to admit, I was it, I was impressed. Had the Oklahoma tuxedo on. I was feeling good. I was yeah. feeling it. We got pretty drunk that night. And that's part of the reason why they lost to Iowa State. If, if you guys we had a, more we had a bo- Yeah, we had a, we had a bad week last week. We did not prepare. Our game, our game preparation was not good. We had a vegan meal that was actually excellent. That was... Part of the reason they lost, so we'll take the blame. Ate too many plants. Ate, ate too many plants. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh. Anything uh, you want? Any more wisdom you want to impart on the uh, community at large before we get out of here? No, I, I guess the only thing because I kind of wanted to get into it, but we'll we'll make it real quick. OU in Texas. I'm getting into doing the under the hood for Texas and kind of going over their game against Kansas State. Don't be shocked if this is a little bit more of a shootout than everybody thinks. Like, I think everyone's going to guess a little lower, but think double basically, 40s. basically these two defenses play right into the hands of the two offenses. Texas wants to be aggressive. They want to be crazy, and that's going to give Baker Mayfield the downfield chances he wants. 
and Oklahoma's defense is Oklahoma's defense. So uh, Colin Johnson may live in Jordan Thomas's nightmares for a while. So He's that really that good. that would be the the things I would I guess I would leave everyone with. How much you know to a little cheer going into the OU Texas weekend? How much can you look at the OU Houston game and get an idea of what I mean? Is that a bad barometer? <laughs> It's no, really, I mean, here's, here's the barometer, just like the Dunbar guy, back shoulder throws all day long. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to be interesting because, you know, I don't think Ellinger is a particularly gifted passer right now. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's he's got some ability, but he's but at the same time, was Greg Ward ever a talented passer? No, not yeah. really. He yeah. had a great day that day. He made a lot of throws that he wouldn't make normally, kind of. Kyle like the Kevin Kemp kid. So, I mean, the, the, we'll, Kyle Kemp. we'll see. Kyle Kemp, Ooh, yeah. look at so, Eddie jumping well, down Josh's throat. The, the best the best Iowa State quarterback I've ever seen. He was better than Seneca was when he made a trip to Norman. Oh, he was so, terrible that day. I mean, it, it's it's fair to say that Iowa State is the best 2-2 two and two team in the country. I mean, come on. That's a joke, <laughs> by the way. Talent. Kyle it's Kemp, talent. Heisman Trophy Finals. It might have been Kevin Kemp. I really don't no, know. No, it was, it was Kyle Kemp. <laughs> God. I just want to know what you have against Josh, where you just jump down his throat No, like I was that. just joking. Oh. Think no. Resentment towards one of your bosses? No. Eddie, Eddie has some deep... I, I didn't send him the audio for one of the you know videos I did, and he's a little pissed off about it, so... That's okay. I haven't sent him <laughs> Jay Bulware yet, either, so... <laughs> All right. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening, and uh, I hope everyone's happy. This is a non-drunken podcast, so if you're afraid of letting your children listen, you should never let your children listen to this podcast. I think we're clear on that. So uh, just don't get mad at us when you're eight-year-olds sitting there and they're learning new words, and don't blame it on us. It's your fault. I mean, would you let your kid look at Pornhub with you? Probably not. I'm sure it happens by mistake sometimes. That's, that'd be weird. When Lanny listens to the replay, Lanny, you're not allowed to watch porno. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I'm a, I've learned that we have to cut things off. Otherwise, Eddie will keep talking for 20 minutes, whether he's drunk or sober or whatever. But I appreciate the Lauren Chamberlain story and getting it out in the open. That was, that, that was uh, chicken soup for the soul for me. Call me. All right. Uh, thank you to Josh McQuistian back in his own studio. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich. I'm Kerry Murdoch. We'll see you guys next time on the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.